0: Happy Friday and welcome to Minute 55 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and for the final time this week and probably for this entire season, I'm in Boston (laughs) and I'm recording with my wonderful host and guest at the same time, host and guest, Sean German. Oh, thank you for having me, and uh, you're, yeah, you're,
1: you're very welcome to be a guest, and I'm, uh, I'm happy to be a guest as well.
0: <laughs> yes, dual guests, dual guests. Yes. Uh, all right, so minute 55 begins with Al continuing to uh, walk towards the front door of the building and ends with James giving a report. So yesterday we ended the minute with, uh, you know, Al Powell responding to the 911 call uh, after uh, a very long time. Mm -hmm. He finally got to the Nakatomi building. I would think that there would have been maybe a car that was closer (laughs) by the (laughs) amount of time (laughs) that it took him to get here. But, you know, it's a crank call. They don't need to get someone. They're they're not going to send the, you know, the the real cops in. They're going to send a desk jockey on his way home, you know, to, to check out this little crank call of, uh, new, no, come on, how could there be terrorists? <laughs> Who knows? Terrorists in 1988. Right. On Christmas Eve. Don't they have better things to be doing? I don't know. <laughs> so he showed up. He parked in a very strange way and then got out of there. Well, actually, now we know why he parked that way. Because, you know, that's the way they needed to do that for the for the plot. Right. You know, yeah. the, pl- the, the things that happen next week won't happen the way that they should if he didn't park that way. Right. So I think that's what it comes down to. Because yesterday, yesterday, to remind everyone, we discussed about the fact that why did Al park the way that he parked? But okay, now now we know. Now we know. So he, he continues walking towards the front door. And as he's walking towards the front door, we get a shot of Eddie, who just got instructions from Hans. We don't know, according to the movie, what the instructions are. But he walks leisurely to the front gate, you know, to the front door. You know, pulls out uh, his swipe card in order to open it. It, it looks very genuine. It looks like Eddie... This is... You know, Eddie is doing mm-hmm. the job the way that he's supposed to do it. Right. You know, there's there's nothing out of the ordinary here for for Al to be a little more suspicious as to what's going on. And then he takes out a code key and, uh, you know, swipes it against the, the front of the door and is able to open the doors up. You know, he then smiles and, sa- and you know, looks very friendly and says to... to to Al, good evening, officer. What can I do for you? <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, a, a nice and friendly way for him to greet a police officer. And, like, I would be more suspicious of the fact that he's overly nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, you know this, is, this is Christmas Eve, so I guess the guard might be a little bored. You know, so maybe he's happy to see another face. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's how Al can interpret it.
1: Yeah, he he is a little overly friendly. This isn't uh, you no, know, this isn't a routine visit. This isn't something he's he was expected. Well, certainly, and I guess it doesn't come up. Um, you, you'll, you'll, or no, it'll, it'll come up later. You know, he, he talks about the the football game. He's got a, right. a college we'll, we'll football there, game right. we'll on the on the screen that he's watching. We'll get like, there
0: in a, in, in a little while. Yeah, right? but
1: shouldn't he be a little bit annoyed that this is you know pulling him away from the game? He might mi- you know miss a big play. That's a good point.
0: Um that's a good point. And I love the way that, that he like he's it's a close up of him yeah, you know, showing up. And at this point then the, the, the scene switches and we see Carl, Fritz and Franco running down the corridor. Now this is the corridor that they, they came in. Mm-hmm. So it it might actually be one floor up above the you know, above the lobby. That actually does make a little more sense. Yeah. That And they they run over to Alexander. Now, I don't know why they would have come to this level. That's a separate issue. You know, like, what would have... You know, Carl and, and, his, and the other two henchmen, uh, Fritz and Franco, were all the way up on the 30th floor. Mm-hmm. And they got pulled away because the police are showing up. And for some reason, they're sending them down to a floor very close to... The ground floor which I, i'm trying to figure out why Hans would send in there you know the more people you have there the more chance there is that someone's going to screw up right i mean i guess the the
1: maybe in, you know in case there's issue if they need to get down to the lobby they're only uh, you know a floor or two away or maybe the thought is if um you know if the police start coming up they can kind of intercept um now he would be coming up in the elevator you know there would have to be some way for them to stop the elevator before it gets all the way up. But maybe they're saying, you know, if um, you know, if the police get suspicious and they start coming up to the you know the thirtieth floor where the party is, they can intercept before um, right. you know before he gets there.
0: Well, if 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 they're in the elevator, they they can't. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> only only if they're walking, only if they're running up the stairs. Yeah,
1: I, I you know I'm just uh, yeah I'm trying no, to think like how this makes that's sense.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, uh, you know, I was trying. I couldn't think of even that. So. Yeah. so that, that's definitely helpful and then they start speaking in German and once again I apologize to anyone who's listening who actually knows German, uh, Forget my, my accent of what he says, he said uh, one of them says to, to Alexander, we will see this and the question is how many are there and the response is nor in mine, only a man, you know trying to say okay you know the 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 fear, I think, I think it's Fritz who says it, the fear is it okay they have a hundred cops there already now why would they have hundred cops I'm not really sure <laughs> you know it, it's not you know he's, he's a little overly excited that uh, that there's so many police that theoretically could be there and Alexander responds pretty calmly you know there's only one don't worry about it and you know it's it, it's nice to see the four of them have this type of conversation I mean it's not a casual conversation but they're just looking out at what's going on you know, we're getting their perspective without Hans around Mm -hmm. as to, you know, what do they think? And then the the shot changes, and once again, we're back in, in the lobby, and Eddie walks by Powell, and he says, we had that false alarm, you know. Ask me, that goddamn computer sent you out on another wild goose chase. They've been chasing bugs in this system ever since they installed it. So, first of all, um... I'm assuming you've heard of the term wild goose chase. Yes. Do you know that there is a technical term for that? I did not know that. Wild goose chase is a, I guess, informal Mm -hmm. way or slang way of using it. It's called a snipe hunt. Snipe hunt. Yes. Which is a type of practical joke or fool's errand. Okay. There there have been references to this uh, phrase uh, all the way back to the 1840s in which an unsuspecting newcomer is duped into trying to catch a non-existent animal called a snipe. Although snipe are, are an actual family of birds, a snipe hunter is a quest for an imaginary creature whose description varies. Hmm. Okay, the target of the prank is led to an outdoor spot and given instructions for catching the snipe. These often include waiting in the dark and holding an empty bag or making noises to attract the creature. The others involved in the prank then leave the newcomer alone in the woods to discover the joke. As an American rite of passage, snipe hunting is often associated with summer camp and groups such as the Boy Scouts. Okay. The, so it, it, it's interesting that this is the way. So a snipe hunt is a kind of fool's errand or wild goose chase, mm-hmm. meaning a fruitless errand or expedition. So, that, that actually makes sense. It's, you know, just calling it a a, a fruitless errand.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. And then they, they, there are so many different variations that I found of what a, a snake hunt, uh, hunt really is. But I'm not going to, you know, in different countries and stuff like that. In France, it's called uh, Hunting the Dahout. And in Spain, it's called Casar uh, Gamosinos. Uh, which the gamosino is a imaginary animal creature. That's the, the idea here. So then, part of the other things he says here is is that uh, you know they've been chasing bugs in the system. Okay, where where do you think that term comes from? Bugs. Um, I mean, we, we all know about it. Yeah. Every, you know anyone who works with computers, uh, even <laughs> on a non professional <laughs> level, has heard the terms computer bugs yeah. and things like that. Um,
1: uh, I, I think that's from an actual bug. I think, or, er, you know, in the early days before transistors and, and the miniaturization computers were, were big things and you'd have, you know, the lots of wires, electronics, uh, vacuum tubes and so forth. And, um, I think the origin of that is, uh, you know, an actual bug in, you know, touching something electric, getting shocked and, and causing a malfunction.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that's if that's correct. Yes. So a software bug is an error, flaw or fault in the design, development, or operation of a computer software that causes it to produce an incorrect or unexpected result or to behave in unintended ways. The process of finding and correcting bugs is termed debugging mm-hmm. and often used uh, and often uses formal techniques or tools to pinpoint bugs. Since the 1950s, some computer systems, have been designed to deter, detect, or autocorrect various computer bugs during operations. Bugs in software can arise from mistakes and errors made in in interpreting and extracting users' requirements, planning a program design, writing its source code, and from interaction with humans, hardware, and programs, such as operating system or libraries. A program with many uh, or serious bugs is often described as buggy. Bugs can trigger errors that may have Ripple effects. The effects of bugs may be subtle, such as unintended text formatting, through to more obvious effects, such as causing a program to crash, freezing the computer, or causing damage to hardware. Uh, There are, you have security bugs, uh, sometimes sent by malicious users, and uh, things like that. There are bugs that have been linked to various disasters, the Therac-25 radiation therapy machine was, which was responsible for many deaths in 1980s. It was b- bugs in the code that mm-hmm. uh, that caused that problem. In 1996, the ESA's one billion dollar prototype, the ESA is the European Space Agency's one billion dollar prototype Ariana Five rocket was destroyed less than a, less than a minute after launch because they had a bug in the onboard guidance uh, computer program. In 1994, there was a RAF helicopter that crashed killing 29 that was originally blamed on pilot error, but later they figured out that there was a software bug in the engine control computer. In 2002, there was a study that was commissioned by the Department of Commerce That concluded that software bugs or errors are so prevalent and so detrimental that they cost the U.S. economy an estimated $59 billion on an annual basis. Wow. Which is 0.6% of the gross domestic product. (laughs) Okay, the term bug uh, that describes defects has been part of engineering jargon since the 1870s. Okay, wow. So that goes back a long way. It predates electronics and computers. It may have originally been used in hardware engineering to describe mechanical malfunctions. Thomas Edison apparently wrote a, in a letter in 1878, "Difficulties arise, gives out, and it is then the bugs, as such little faults and difficult, difficulties are, and they show themselves." Yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, it that that must be just a uh, urban legend that it was connected to a real bug. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, certainly, uh, it goes back much further than I would have
0: guessed. So he's talking about the bugs, and I, I love the, the walk and talk that they do here. You know, yeah. the, the, the Eddie is going back to his post. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that maybe he's going to, to to you know get closer to his gun or something like that. But you know, again,
1: he's there? he's got to play it cool. He's got to be you know play the part of I'm just a regular security guard, and there's nothing to see here, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, nothing suspicious right but
0: even you know puts his feet up on the desk he's totally relaxed and then we hear the 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 sound of the tv and it says uh, Notre Dame on top of USC and he gets a little upset and Eddie goes, oh, sh**. Yeah. come on I bet 50 bucks uh, <laughs> I I got 50 bucks bet on that man
1: now I wonder if this if part of this you know the kind of the script that Eddie's sticking to um if that's coming from Hans if that's something he came up on to play on the well two things one there was uh the you know the fire alarm that went off earlier uh you know set off by by john mcclain but that it was you know they were able to call that in and convince uh you know the fire department that that was false alarm to kind of say right. um you know this is you know just, just the code a code and that's it this yeah. you know this is another false alarm just like that was and also kind of leverage the knowledge that they probably didn't tell, you know, they don't tell the patrolman a whole lot. They just say, um, you know, there's a report, go check out this building because if, you know, this obviously doesn't fit because, you know, Al's there because of a call from a person, you know, someone speaking on the phone saying, come out here. It's not, you know, that's not a, you know, that's not an issue with the building systems. That's not a,
0: you know, that's not a computer issue,
1: you know, (laughs) that, you you know, that story doesn't check out at all. If you know if the you know if al knows
0: right, that he's there know, because of an actual know. phone call that's the thing al doesn't know but he doesn't know he which just knows he's there and right. so which is really silly that they that we discussed this earlier this week yeah. that they didn't tell him yeah. why he's there
1: could have given him more information but yeah so kind of expecting you know they they don't tell you know the the patrolman the the workers you know the the guy on the front line they never give him all the information he needs to know, so yeah. you can play that. You can safely play this off as a, you know, as a, you know, a false alarm, something with the building systems. You know, bl- blame it on the computer, basically.
0: Right. That's right. So tell me, what are, are you? Are you a fan of football at all? College football?
1: Um, I I am a fan of football, but pretty much just the pros. I don't watch uh, college football much.
0: Okay, have, have you ever heard of a? uh, college football game played on Christmas Eve? Um, so there, you know, there,
1: there are bowl games, you know, certainly like the regular season's over by this point, but there, there are bowl games like, you know, around holidays, there's going to be Christmas Eve and Christmas day games and, um, and, you know, and, and New Year's day games. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was an actual game on Christmas Eve or these teams played, you know, either in '87 when this would have been filming or in '88 when it came out, but um, it's you know not entirely unusual that that kind of two you know two big teams would be playing or you know around this time of year.
0: Okay, well, first of all, the college football season uh, ends around Thanksgiving time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we're, we're we're saying it's about a month, and it's very rare that there is a college football bowl game played on Christmas Eve itself. It's played yeah. either on New Year's Day or Christmas Day. You know, most football games, the, the those type of football games are played during the day, even on Thanksgiving. You have, you know, the, the games that right. are played yeah. during yeah. the thing. Now, the problem is, is that you don't have games um, of two teams that have met in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So USC and... Notre Dame would have played during the regular seasons, so therefore they wouldn't be in a special bowl game right you know the basically, and the john hancock sun Bowl which which played on december twenty fourth nineteen eighty eight was between Alabama and army
1: hmm.
0: yeah, and it wasn't uh between that so you know i guess he's he's watching an an old recording or something. <laughs> You know, that, that he taped on, on uh, you know, on a VHS. <laughs> yeah. Now, he says that he bet $50 on them. Uh, how, how much do you think $50 from 1987 or and or 1988 is worth today due to inflation? Uh, I would guess say 150 Is it tripled in that time? Uh, no, it has not. So, in 1987... Uh, $50 from 1987 would be worth today 128.65 which is a cumulative rate of inflation of 157%. Okay. okay. In well, almost now,
1: 35 years,
0: about 35 that's, years. That's 35 years. Okay. Okay. Now, what's even more interesting is if you look at 1988, okay, it was worth $123.54 dollars 54 Which means that inflation went down a year later. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, that if this takes place in 1988, it's worth uh, with four dollars less, five dollars less. Wow, that, that's a pretty big difference, you know, between one year—that's yeah, and five dollars—and going in the opposite direction, right? You yeah, think with everything that goes that's going on nowadays, it, things only go up. Things, yeah, you know, it didn't go down because that was only in 1988. That's 147 percent cumulative mm-hmm. uh, rate of inflation as opposed to 157. What a difference a year makes that's right apparently <laughs> i mean also he doesn't do it very convincingly you know the way that that, that he looks upset about the fact that he bet money on them i've yeah. never believed the the way that he delivers that line you know it sounds a little too fake you know damn i bet i bet 50 bucks on those like it doesn't it, it doesn't sound as if he really did by the yeah. way that he says it, yeah,
1: and that line always kind of struck me wrong, which is a little surprising because the oh, the you know the false alarm, oh that you know that damn computer sending you out on another wild goose chase, yeah, that's all believable. Like I like you know those yeah, yeah, are all sure. good deliveries, but, but then the then delivery of that this kind of
0: line because that's the the fakest of yeah. everything, you know that that he really cares about this football game,
1: yeah, yeah. It kind of makes me think of um the the sting, um the. Robert Redford, uh-huh. Paul, Paul Newman movie at the end, you know, they're, they're trying to hustle this gangster. They've set up a fake betting parlor and, you know, at the whole, you know, they're, they're um, you know, somebody, you know, the, the comment about the, you know, this, he may be watching this game on tape, um, you know, that they're replaying, uh, you know, races that have already been run. So they know the results and they've got a bunch of con men like playing other customers in this betting parlor. And of course they've got to pretend you know that they've got money on, and, and you know they're rooting for one horse or another, um, and like there, there's there's one one of the particular comment we're not who like really has a bad delivery in terms of faking actual yeah. excitement, um, and it's it, it I, that you know this line makes me strike you know kind of hits me the same way in terms of, right because it just yeah, doesn't it's seem just it, yeah it's it's not entirely believable which. Uh, it kind of makes sense Al wouldn't necessarily pick up on because he doesn't know he's in a movie. You know, the, the character thinks this is a real thing. And, right. And he
0: also wants to go home. You know, like yeah. he's, he's, he's waiting to go home now. Right. And he's, yeah, he's, for he's,
1: he's not looking for trouble. Actually, just the opposite. He's right. looking for any excuse to
0: say, yeah, false alarm. Nothing to, nothing to see here. I'm going Let home. Let me, uh, you thing. know, take yeah. my Twinkies and go home. Right. Exactly. Uh, and at this point, we, we get another shot from above. John's getting really impatient here by looking, and he goes, uh, where's the f***ing <coughs> Calvary? Come on, come on. And, you know, he, he's, you see him looking in both directions, trying to figure out, okay, how, what do I need to do in order for things to move along? You know, how can I change this situation to to, to my advantage? You know, so that someone is going to do something here.
1: Yeah, well, and he sees you know he knows how long the the police have been or you know the policeman has been in the lobby and figures at some point like if if something doesn't
0: happen soon it's not going to happen. Um, right, but it's possible that the the cop inside is dead. I mean, he doesn't know anything. Right, right. You know that that's a, that that's what's very funny here. You know, John wants to, to 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 somehow get the policeman's attention. Okay, fine, but the policeman's not there is he dead is he alive you know what has happened to him on the inside is he sitting down watching the football game with with Eddie you know <laughs> yeah. there's, there's so many different options of what could be going on here the the last thing that 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 John needs to 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 do here is you know he wants to get Al's attention but right he needs to wait till Al gets outside and he doesn't you know he decides to you know just he looks around the room sees a chair and decides, okay, this is my best option. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to smash the chair through the window. Yeah, which isn't very bright. You know, I, I don't know if that's, you know, uh, I don't know. Would 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 you think that that the, these must be very? It should be thick glass, also. Yeah, they don't, they generally
1: don't want people, you know, falling out of windows on, on, you know, in skyscrapers. On skyscrapers. So yeah, these, yeah, these windows are going to be, the glass is going to be hard to break. And it's going to be hard even just, you know, try to force out the whole pane out of the window is um, something that's going to be difficult. But, uh, you know, kind of one of our options, I mean, what, you know, what we see a lot of in kind of a recurring theme in the whole film is improvisation and kind of thinking on your feet. And certainly uh, you know, John McClane has not planned or expected any of this, you know, so right. he's got to think on his feet. But we see it from the other side, too, in terms of things don't go exactly the way Hans has, has planned them out. And he's right. got to adjust and, and think on his feet. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we see, like these, you know, the, these, these two characters going against each other, protagonist, antagonist, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, reacting to what each other does. Um, and yeah. the great thing is they're both reacting spontaneously, like right. you said. So, kind of, what are John McClane's options in this point? It's kind of yeah, right. grab a chair and start swinging in terms of. And I like
0: I like the way that they show him look around the room. Yeah, and then like you can see there are many times in this movie where you can see like a light bulb just like yeah. uh, you know open up above his head. Yeah, you know, and with Hans, it's never like that because Hans does things in a calm, collective manner. Yeah. You know, you don't see him think of bright ideas of how to deal with things. You know, even a few weeks ago when we had the point where. Where he decided to send Tony up to to see, you know, about the, what level mm-hmm. John was on when he pulled the fire alarm. Yeah, you know, like he stops mid, mid thought and then you know picks up the walkie talkie and says, "What floor was that?" You know, it's that it's a, it's a very different type of spontaneity, but right. there still is the spontaneity uh, that you know the the gears in his mind are working. Yeah, and they're 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 moving along, you know, for for that type of stuff. Yeah, the 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 more
1: thoughtful versus the more impulsive.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So then he takes the the chair and smashes it against the the window, and only one of the legs actually goes through the, the glass. <laughs> you know, it, it's. It, it, I wonder if it's because John doesn't have enough f- force; he's not strong enough. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. no clue as to, to why it's playing out that way. Yeah. And then, off office furniture. Yeah. <laughs> And, well, you'd think that Nakatomi would have spent good money on it. Well, yeah. Well,
1: because this is kind of like the boardroom. I mean, this isn't right. you know the the you know the the front end drones are, are sitting on
0: in their cubicles. This is Correct. this should be the good stuff, right? And I mean, this is you know we already know it's a, it that these are sturdy chairs because you know a, a body can fall backwards oh. on the chair and the chair doesn't break, right? You know that would have been a little bit of comedy. You know that Takagi, uh, <laughs> you know gets shot in the head and we see the the chair just you know, like chair breaking breaks into apart pieces as he. As he falls down, but no, nope, it doesn't happen here. And then I love the fact that they show us an outside ver- uh, shot mm-hmm. of the chair. You know, the editing here is amazing—the way yeah. that they do this. You know, you see him pick up the chair and it goes towards the window. And as it's going towards the window, they switch the shot and you see the the leg come out the other end mm-hmm. of the the window. And then it pans up and we get to see James, who's on top of the. Uh, Who's on the roof? Yeah, you know he picks up the the walkie-talkie and starts saying something. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I admit often watching, you know, having seen this film many many times, I still kind of sometimes I'll get lost or confused in terms of, you know, which one of the terrorists is where, where everyone's in is. But the um,
0: the guy with the ponytail is hard to miss. Yeah,
1: but (laughs) you know, but they (laughs) certainly they try to you know outline things and and make it clear as much as they can. So I like this that shot panning up from. You know, from John McClane in the window panning up to, to the roof.
0: Right. Because also then we can see the distance from the 30th floor. Uh, sorry, we can see, this is this this can't be the 30th floor. The boardroom isn't on the same floor as the house. just... So yeah. this, I think, is the 32nd is floor. Is it the 32nd? I think it's the 32nd.
1: But we get an idea of how far they are from the yeah. roof. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've, I I wonder if you look at the shot, you know, when it pans up. Can you see how many floors it is? Um, now... It's it's all yeah. pitch black. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a blur. It's yeah, the, the and the dark. And it's, I mean, even if you were to do it in slow motion, you wouldn't be able to see it because it's all black. Yeah. It's all very dark, the way that uh, that they do that. And as James is giving his report, which we can't hear, so the minute ends. The minute ends. Is there anything else you want to say about this minute before we move on to the script? Uh, nope, that's everything I had for for fifty five. All right. So the the script once again has some discrepancies uh in the uh, from from the 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 final shot of the the movie so first of all we see that uh alexander actually it says here it says eddie is a little startled but he moves quickly alexander also hears this and his eager expression fades but orders are orders, you know. It's 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 giving us a little bit more of an impression as to who this Alexander is because we we don't really get it. He doesn't do very much in the movie besides stand around. Yeah, you know he doesn't. So in the script they they make him you know he's he's itching for for a fight, you know that type of thing. And then it says the front door of of Nakatomi. Powell tries the front doors; they are locked. Eddie comes hustling across and unlocks the door with with the magnetic card. And then he has, uh, you know, instead of him saying "What can I do for you," he says "What's up." <laughs> says even an officer, "What's up?" And then it says, uh, you know, Powell steps in and looks around. Bland holiday music filters from speakers, and we hear the song "Let It Snow," which we, which, which we know he's been humming for a while, you know. And then uh, Powell says, "We got an emergency call that there was a problem here." <laughs> And at this point, McLean looks. It shows McLean on the on the thirty fourth floor, which is where the boardroom is, according to the script. And McLean says, "All right." McLean waits, expectant, five seconds, ten seconds, but no commotion, no shouting. He frowns and says, "Where's the recovery?" <coughs> and then it it shows again Powell walking through the 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 lobby, and they they have a little bit of a conversation. You know, between two of them about the, the bugs and the wild goose chase and stuff like that. And the only difference is, is that when Eddie talks about the 50 bucks, he says, I got 50 bucks bet on you, Al. So he's talking to the TV as opposed to talking yeah. to Powell. To Powell, yeah. Which, again, I think it works better that he's talking to Powell and says it to Powell. Mm-hmm. You know, so that it, he's showing Powell that, okay, everything is completely boring here yeah you know you don't have to worry about anything nothing's going on here i'm stuck here i'm sitting and watching the game unfortunately i i spent 50 bucks on them and it (laughs) looks like i'm going to be losing yeah but that you know that's the extent of of uh, how that works and then right afterwards we have the line that we were talking about yesterday where mclean goes come on come on who's in that car Stevie wonder so you see it's in the script but it's It's much later in the script Mm -hmm. where they uh, have that. uh, And then it says, he makes up his mind. He lifts one of the big chairs and swings it at the window. The tempered glass whitens on the first blow. And then it says, James sees the glass whiten and shouts into his mic. As opposed to shouting into his uh, walkie-talkie and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So that's pretty much how they they end that here. Every Friday we have a uh, surprise segment, which is only a surprise at this point for for anyone who isn't paying attention on the the friday episode (laughs) sorry sean (laughs) so the the segment that we do is weekend surprise which uh it's it's a known debate about die hard that some people claim that it is a christmas movie and some people claim that it is by far and wide not a christmas movie so what do you think what's your what's your opinion on it do you think it's a christmas movie or not a christmas movie and uh you know don't forget that you have to uh, you know show your,
1: show your show your answers so might work support my argument I, I think it it absolutely is a christmas film I don't think there's any any question uh, no doubt in my mind I think it um it certainly occurs at christmas we've got various uh you know features of the holiday that come into play most prominent, of course, the, 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 you know, it all happens around a, an office Christmas party, which is uh, you know, a setting for many Christmas films or at least several. Um, I think it um, in its own way, it hits on the themes of, you know, kind of, you know, family and you know, appreciating your family and being thankful. I um, mean, it's a little bit of, of a different way. Um, you know, and handling that because for the most part, it's a man who's on his own, mm-hmm. but it's through being alone right. that he learns to appreciate, you know, gains a new appreciation for his family. It shows him, you know, working for his family. Um, So, yeah, I, I really don't think it's it, there's any question. I mean, I could just as easily say, you know, would anyone argue that Home Alone is not a Christmas movie and Home Alone is pretty much just Die Hard with a little kid and. In his own home versus an office building, but it's the same way he's, you know, he's on his own the whole time. He gains new appreciation for his family when they're reunited at the end. Um, You know, that happens to, to, you know, that occurs at Christmas, but there's no reason it has to be. You could easily just say, oh, you know, the family was going away for a summer vacation instead of traveling for Christmas. And, and, you know, Home Alone can, can happen that way. Um, you know, but again, I I don't think anyone would try to argue that Home Alone is not a Christmas movie.
0: Well, I, 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 I would say that I'm assuming there are people that would argue it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess the, you know, there's there's all kinds out there. There are people that are, there, there people that are going to argue everything, you know? and
1: you know, you know the people that listen to podcasts. They're yeah. you know they're a crazy bunch, so yeah, who knows sure. what they're going to say? But sure. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's got. You know, we've got the Christmas party, we've got Christmas trees, we've got the iconography, you know, you've got the, you know, I've got a machine gun now, ho, 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 uh, you know, kind of bringing the holiday aspect to it. Um, and again, and, and the, you know, those are all sort of superficial in terms of, of kind of set and setting. Um, it, you know, it goes to, you know, really a Christmas film doesn't have the, the, the Christmas themes. Um, and I, I, I think it does, you know, the, um, you know, the, the appreciation of gifts, the appreciation of, of family, of, of what you have, of being separated and, and trying to get back together again, um, all all fit in and all make this uh, not just a Christmas movie, but one of the- one of the better Christmas <laughs> movies.
0: OK, that's fair. That's great. Uh, so is so there anything you want to discuss about the, the, the movie on a whole? you know because you know i gotta I got leave boston soon but, uh, i've had enough yeah. i I'm, I'm actually next week i gotta be in in another city so we'll you know we'll have we'll we'll, we'll be on location again mm-hmm. next week but uh mm-hmm. or i'll be on location you, i mean you can come if you want but uh <laughs> you know you have to get cast permission to, to to come also there. right right but uh is, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the movie in general
1: uh no i i mean i think you you know we're getting it all out you're covering it properly minute by minute so uh, i don't know if i have much to add um other than just you know it, it i enjoy the film and i enjoy hearing the the in-depth analysis that you and your guests bring to it so uh yeah this is all good
0: right okay great i'm very i'm very glad to hear that that uh you know my reboot is working yeah oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely all right, great. So you want to for one last time this week. But tell people how they can get in touch with uh, Sean German.
1: Yeah, so one last time. I am from uh, the Next Scene Podcast. You can find that at nextscenepod.com. And, and I previously covered two films, uh, minute by minute. Uh, so I covered Groundhog Day, uh, one minute at a time, at Groundhog Minute. And I covered This is Spinal Tap, Albert um, Spinal Tap Minute. And all my previous, my current, previous, and future podcast stuff is at cat
0: all right great and while you're doing that you can go rate, review and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show finding me is very simple just do a quick search for movie rob minute you can find me on my website which is com. you can go find me on twitter or you can find me on facebook so everyone have a great weekend thank you once again sean for uh First of all, your your hospitality of letting me stay in Boston for this week, and thank you for being such a, a great guest. Until Monday, yippee ki yay! Yippee ki yay!